you're making the world a better place, right? So we're buying rundown apartment complexes that may be not well managed or safe, and we're making them nicer places to live and safe. Clearly in your healthcare industry, you know, um, I know when my nan and puppy years ago got put in the home, I was traumatized. It wasn't that nice. Um, and it, it was even nice, but it wasn't that nice. And, you know, to be able to do that and not only provide a place for people to, to make money, but to make the world a better place, right? To take down a rundown facility, turn it into a nice facility. Um, and, you know, and, and then ultimately I know your end, you're, you're still in the business to make money, but your end goal is to make a better place for the people to live in. And then you, once you do that, you can charge more to live in there. Um, and people don't mind paying for quality. Welcome to the power of passive income and how to retire rich with your host, Vijay Patel. Get your financial advice straight from the experts and learn how to take your first steps towards financial freedom. If you're ready to retire rich, then listen up. Morning, everyone. We have a Trevor in the house. Uh, we'll just give you a brief introduction and then you know, I will give him the stage. So uh, Trevor, uh, you know, started as a, you know, uh, 45 years of experience in management. Uh, he used to, you know, manage the uh, iFly for 45 years. And then he has, you know, a thing for real estate where he started his journey from scratch. He started as passive investor in close to 20 properties and then moved his way up to where he is a big, like at least a known name, I would say, uh, in the industry. Uh, recently, he joined Massive Capital. So that is also a good, uh, very, very good thing. And, you know, like uh, we'll uh, shortly get, get started. Uh, so, uh, Trevor, if you can introduce yourself and let's get started. Yes. Yeah, so my name's Trevor. I live in Austin, Texas right now. I'm originally from Niagara Falls, Canada. And as you mentioned, I started in the attractions business at the very young age of 13. I worked for Ripley's, believe it or not. Then I did 18, I worked for them for five years. Then I did 18 years with Guinness World of Records. I wanted to open Guinness in the United States. And so I tried to raise the money to open one in Orlando, Florida. But oddly enough, Ripley's bought the rights out and wouldn't give me a franchise for Orlando. So oddly enough, I opened a year-round haunted house, and then I went to iFly Indoor Skydiving. I was recruited by a headhunter. And while I was always interested in real estate, at our very first team meeting, the owner gave everybody a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And sadly, I read the book, was hugely touched, and did nothing. Um, what a lot of people do, right? You know, I didn't do single family because I was afraid of toilets and tenants and trash. And then I read his book and I got a little bit more, but you know, I was so busy just doing my job. You know, I had a very busy job, very demanding job. And, you know, I put passive investing on the back burner and what a huge mistake. I mean, I should have started the second I read that book. Um, you know, the saying, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait is true. But once I, joined and started doing commercial real estate. As you said, I got very active very quickly, passively invested in 20 syndications, and now I'm a general partner on my third syndication. Got it. So uh, let's talk about the mission that you have to help uh, people. So like a little bit about this podcast is, uh, like when I was going through my journey, you know, like I think uh, that's where, you know, the idea came for the podcast is I noticed that 
everybody has their own journey that they go through right and the bottom line is like uh, educating people about financial freedom why it is important you know especially in this you know arena that yeah. financial independence is is something that you want to achieve as soon as possible so that you can do something which you like and you know make that transition and the goal is to you know uh through this interviews we want to spread this word and like you know uh make some more awareness that okay like you know if they can do it i can do it too kind of a thing so yeah. like just a little bit about like your journey from your w2 to being a financially independent just walk us through the mindset and a little bit about that journey that why do you, why do you, like what made you change that yeah so it's very interesting so as i mentioned earlier you know for single family and investing i was afraid of toilets tenants and trash the same thing everybody's afraid of You know, I used to say I get ripped off every time I have something fixed at my house. Why do I want to make that a job um and and do it? So I was always intimidated by that. I wish I hadn't been, but I always was. And then I I fly got bought out by a private equity. So then my next excuse was no time, no money. Um you know, and even though I had money and I could have done it, I you know, I did what everyone else did, right? I put it in the stock market. I had a 401k at work. Um and I didn't get one till quite late at work so it's not like I had a lot massing there but I I didn't do it and then I went to a seminar and first I went to a couple of seminars that you shouldn't do like give us 50,000 on a credit card and we'll tell you how to buy an office building with no money down with your credit card um you know try to find something believable so I went to a seminar and they talked about syndication of multifamily business and the light bulb i don't know why i was took me forever to have the light bulb turn on and i went wait a minute i understand this business model so you give your money to experienced people experienced people combine your money with others money and bank money you buy an actual real business you're buying a business you know a lot of people don't think of that we're buying a business we're buying a multifamily business that business is backed by a hard asset real buildings um real people working there you put some capital into the business to make it better you put some expertise into the operations to make it better and then you improve the value of the business you run it for a while and then you resell it and i don't know why but the light bulb just went on because in my career you know i've done that over and over again with businesses you know i helped a lot of businesses by coming in and giving expertise and showing them what to do and how to grow it with iFly we took over three franchise locations and in the commercial world we called it ebitda which is earnings before depreciation interest and taxes they called it noi and i went wait a minute this is the same thing and you sell for a multiple of ebitda you sell for a multiple of noi and all of a sudden just boom the light bulb came on and i went this is way more simple than i thought it is um now clearly you have to pick the right operator the right deal you have to be educated and that's when i started my mission you know to help a thousand people reach financial independence originally i was thinking just of me and my original goal was 100 i thought if i had 100 investors I could just keep getting money from them and I would be self-sustaining and be able to do my own deals and then I thought well, wait a minute way bigger than that 
And so my goal was if I can reach a thousand people and a thousand people make the decision to passively invest in real estate to start their journey, I feel very much once you make your first deal and you understand and you get past that initial fear that that I'm going to help change the world. And again, a thousand people is nothing in the scheme of the world, but I hope the people I touch will also take the same goal. And so I've just started being so active in just getting the word out there, uh, being on other people's podcasts. Um, and I'll also say I'm a big Grant Cardone fan. And so I, the end of 2020, I said, how am I going to step my career up? You know, and he talked about omnipresent, talked about setting big goals. So of course I 10 X my 100 to a thousand, um, you know, and then somebody said, Hey, we need to change that number to a million. Now I've joined massive capital. That's a pretty big number, but, uh, you know, maybe, but the goal is just to educate people and then help them feel comfortable. And it's very important. Once you get educated, it's much easier to get comfortable. Got it. So I will just, you know, uh, tell you a little bit of a funny story that I had, right? So uh, similar to what you were mentioning, like uh, back in the days when I, I started my healthcare career, we used to buy rundown nursing homes, community hospitals, like, so my employer had a big money. So every three months, like a quarterly meeting, he will come with a folder saying, oh, I just bought this. Now you guys figured it out. So the first one we did was a, you know, kind of assist, like rundown assisted living upstate New York. Um, didn't know what to do. And me, it was my, and like, there was a nurse job to flip that place around and make it, you know, work. First one took us like almost one and a half year to flip it. The second one was one year. And then we, we became so good. Like it was like six to eight months. We knock it out and we move on. And in 2018, same thing. Somebody introduced me to syndication and value add, right? So when we call, we like talk about value add. And when I was learning, I was like, wait a minute. Like, you know, this is, I've been doing it already. Like value add. It's just a different industry. Like that's what we've been doing. Like we, we used to buy a rundown nursing home. We, so I'm a numbers guy. So my job was to go in, look at the numbers and fix the numbers. And nurse's job was to make sure the compliance part was there if they were lagging or there were some tags from the state and things like that. She will work on that. I will purely work on revenue side. How can I boost the revenue? I can, how can I decrease the expense? How can we make it more efficient? How can we improve the quality of service? How can we improve the occupancy, uh, you know, uh, NOI, uh, revenue per bed? All those things. I've been doing it, you know. So that was my light bulb, like for yeah. multifamily syndication. I was like, okay, like, you know, this is what I've been doing already. It's just like from outside, it just looks so complex to even deal with. Yeah. And it's, uh, and it's very interesting that when you think about it, also, you're making the world a better place, right? So we're buying rundown apartment complexes that may be not well managed or safe, and we're making them nicer places to live and safe. Clearly in your healthcare industry, you know, um, I know when my nan and papa years ago got put in the home, I was traumatized. It wasn't that nice. Um, and it, it was even nice, but it wasn't that nice. And, you know, to be able to do that and not only provide a place for people to, to make money, but to make the world a better place, right? To take down a rundown facility, turn it into a nice facility. Um, 
And, you know, and, and then ultimately I know you're, and you're, you're still in the business to make money, but your end goal is to make a better place for the people to live in. And then you, once you do that, you can charge more to live in there. Um, and people don't mind paying for quality. And as long as you don't outprice yourself, um, and it's the same thing in multifamily, right? If you move, if you get a property, you can't double the rent because the market just won't won't survive, right? So you're getting that 10, 20%, the market can pay it to get a nicer property. Um, and, and so again, once I figured out that it was a business, um, it totally changed what I wanted to do. And, and me, obviously I got in it pretty quickly. Um, I'm not only invested in multifamily, but it's the asset class that I know the most about and that I'm actively pursuing. So, especially when we are talking about anybody's journey, right? It, it cannot be completed without failures or mistakes. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So, so I would say, first of all, my first failures were, um, I was so eager to make my first investment. I just made it. And I didn't really do some due diligence on the sponsor themselves. And it turned out like, it's not like they were dishonest or anything. They just weren't high quality. Um, I didn't quite understand some of the underwriting. Like, again, they said, oh, we're going to put the rents up to this. And then after I got a little more educated, I went, okay, simple math. Rent is basically three times your, or you need to make three times the rent. So if the rent's $1,000, you need to make $3,000 a month. And they said they were going to make rent $1,000 a month, but the people only made 2,500 a month in that neighborhood. And so some of the basic facts that I know now that I talk a lot about, just to kind of double check um, that, you know, they're going to do it. And then, you know, I, I think that, and then my best deal to date, I spent a year looking at the sponsor and I actually met with them at, at, a, at a, they were a host of a pot meetup or whatever. And then I started following them and then, I, they started sending me their deals and I said, well, I'm not quite ready to invest with you, but would you mind sending me just the reports from those deals? Um, I promise I won't share them with anybody. Yet. And I just started to watch, how do you tell what's happening? How do you, you know, how, what, what am I seeing in your reports? And I was looking for honesty, right? Like, Hey, you know, we're a little bit behind on this budget. We're a little bit ahead on this and this is why and what we've done. And to date, it's been my best investment. You know, they they 3X'd my money in 20 months. I instantly re returned and invested with them. The second that deal came through, they had another one, um, you know, and it's a good thing. And I would say one of the bigger lessons I learned is how hard it is to switch to the active side. A lot of people, and that's why I say to people, a lot of people are saying, oh, I can't wait to get out of my job. I can't wait to do it full time. And I say, actually, you should wait as long as you can, because if you keep reinvesting your money, the compounding power is amazing. So I always tell people, think of your younger self. And I know $100,000 is a lot of money, but I use that number because it's easy. So if you double it in five years, it's 200. Double it in five years, it's 400. Double it in five years, it's 800. Double it in five years, it's 1.6 million. Double it in five years, it's 3.2 million. So at the beginning, try to reinvest so you get that compound effect. And if you could imagine if my 
25 or 30 year old self put that hundred thousand dollars in and you know now i'm in my 60s uh, you know I, i would have been a multi-millionaire you know tw- 20 years ago almost and so it's very important for people to understand that power that your money has when it's combined in in this vehicle and if you reinvest the profits versus try to live off of them now i know there reaches a point where everybody wants to get out of the you know and and you will reach that point and you know it's but but just you know there's a lot of even even you know rich dad poor dad in his book talk about that right that you know he talks about when he finally bought his porsche you know he did he did an investment enough to pay for it he didn't take it out of his out of his regular income yeah no that is one book i would highly recommend to read anyone and everyone you know and i think that was also a turning point from my life that yeah. it was the first investment book i read and after that of course i read like so many but that book is still so powerful and basic like basic learning you know like you have to know your like you know the basics of learn you know and the mindset it's 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 all about you know having that mindset it's like nobody controls at anything you know you can be millionaire mindset do are you having a, like employee mindset employer mindset what are you know things that you have to give up in order to make the transition and the quadrant that he talks about you know uh definitely you know something that to be learned so yes. uh and one more thing i'll just add is like you know i'm i'm very good friend with sanjay so i i often like you know talk to sanjay from massive capital so i would definitely add that is like you know if i'm trying to be you know part of something and i want to like know what what they are doing right so that's where i i came across massive capital and i was like okay send me your you know deals what you have let me review it and then like the two deals that you know we we were trying to get part of it and then it got funded uh last minute but yeah like you know my investor likes it i like it numbers are good so for that reason i will definitely you know recommend massive capital uh you know being on your sound just went out uh can you There hear me back now okay okay so uh the in a in a short sell is like you know like everybody like so there is a joke around real estate community as everybody's number is conservative numbers right but mm-hmm. there is no definition of conservative numbers like nobody i have yet to see that is going to say oh like our numbers are not conservative numbers right yeah so the definition is different but at the same time you have to be logical and just having that sense of uh being a friend right uh the one more thing people don't talk about is uh you know a management fees and hidden fees that people charges especially being on an active side that they they don't even mention to their investors yeah yeah and you, you you need to disclose all of those and you know i also want to talk that a lot of people think there are people who are greedy and take fees and put nothing in the deal so don't get me wrong and run away from those people right you know but but there is a reason why people get acquisition fees and my first deal is a gp um we were buying a deal i joined another group of people and we lost $350,000 of hard money 75 of that was mine which is really hard um to have that happen to you so there are real costs in putting a deal together and you want your sponsors to be able to win but you want to make sure that you win first 
So I like deals that offer a preferred return, right? Where investors get paid first. I don't mind there are deals that have more of a complicated waterfall at the end where if the deal's super successful, the sponsor makes more money. Um, for me, I'm very happy. I'm in a, in a new build storage deal. And when they double my money, it goes to 50-50 split. And I'm like, double my money, please. Who's not happy if your money's doubled in a... Now, if they take 20 years to double my money, I'm not very happy. Uh, but, you know, the concept is that they're trying to double your money early and then the split changes. Um, and I'm okay with that. Um, absolutely okay with that. You want to... If your sponsor's not making any money, they're not going to pay attention to your deal. Um, and so it's very important, but it's also very important to make sure that you invest with people that have skin in the game. Yeah. You know, so just for a rough example, if you're getting $200,000 in fees and you're only putting $100,000 in the deal, um, you're already making money. But if you're getting $200,000 and you're putting $300,000 in the deal, you've got some real money invested alongside of your investors. And that's a very important part of it, right? You want to make sure that the sponsor has cash involvement in the deal. You also want to make sure that the sponsor has experience in the marketplace. You know, a lot of these syndicator gurus teach you, you know, buy a multifamily anywhere, hire a property management company, go sit on the beach and drink pina coladas and watch the money roll in. I'm here to tell you today that's a lie. Um, it's hard work. We're running businesses. Um, now, does it mean every deal's complicated and you get phone calls day and night? No, it doesn't. Um, but as an operator, you want people that are putting time and energy into your deal and understand their market. Um, it's very important uh, because you don't want them learning lessons on your dime, as it said. You want them to learn lessons and to be honest, that's why I passively invest in others' asset classes. I don't know much about storage. So I said, let me invest in it and start to learn. And believe me, when my money's there, I pay attention. Um, but I don't know enough to put your money there or somebody else's money there. And I will partner with somebody eventually who's an expert in it. Um, and through Massive, they do have some storage. They have some industrial. They have some land. So the nice thing is... The partners have a great mix of, of experience and they have everything from C value add to A class properties. So you want to make sure that you're who you're giving your money to has experience in what you're investing in. And is of course the fee is justified, but like you know, it has to be like kind of close to industry standards, right? Yes. If the industry standard is two percent management fee, you can't be come up with like coming up with five percent. You know, those yeah. kind of things. Like at the end, uh, as an investor, you should be rewarding people that, that are making money for you. Like it's, it's uh, betting on horses, right? Yeah. So the horse needs to be fed well and rested and, you know, things like that. Like, you know, otherwise, if your horse doesn't perform, you lose your yeah. money. So it's the same thing, you know, like you have to have trust, faith and uh, your own due diligence where uh, you know, okay, these yeah. people. They, they know the game, what the, what they are doing, like in every deal, it can be easy, it can be hard. And like, you know, like when you start, things can be all right, but you know, it, it takes like two days to change the weather. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's, and you know, I talked about, I like craft payments, but I also like reasonableness. 
So for example, a normal PREF payment is anywhere from, let's say, six to 8%. Yes. There was a deal that I had a friend was raising money for, and they kept saying, Trevor, the PREF's 12. And I said, I've looked at this, they're never gonna be able to pay 12 until sale. So the GP team's never gonna make any money. And if the deal gets hard or they get distracted, it's very difficult if you're not making any money. And so I want them to make money. I want them to be motivated. I want them to pay attention to the deal because even the best of us get discouraged, right? And if you keep trying to turn a deal around and, and you know, you have no hope that your payday comes for four or five more years. Now, yes, there are deals that don't pay out till the end. You know, I understand. I'm in, I'm in a new build. New builds don't pay anything until it's built and occupied, right? It's, uh, you know, that's a different investment. There's different ways to look at how your money comes. And you need to make sure as an investor that you're, invest you're understanding that when, when your money's going to come. Um, and they often explain it. But if you look at some of the performers and then you'll see a seven prep, you'll see many deals don't catch up to that prep till close to year two. And it's just the way the numbers work. Um, but make sure they're being honest with you that we're going to get caught up. And all that means is as a sponsor, I don't get paid until you get caught up. And I like that, but I want to get caught up because I want to see the sponsor get paid too, because that's a win-win, right? Sure. So I get paid first. I want them to get caught up and I want them to get paid so that they stay interested and motivated um, in, in the deal. Mm -hmm. Got it. So uh, another thing like, and uh, we just want to ask everybody is um, there's so many investment vehicles, right? Real estate, uh, stocks, bonds, notes, there can be n number of investment vehicles. So what are the good things you like about real estate and what are the bad things you like about real estate or, you know, some dislikes that you have? Yeah, so I definitely like real estate, especially on the multifamily side. There's two, two things that are, I mean, everybody needs a place to live. There's a housing crisis in America. We need more houses. We need more places for people to live. We need better places for people to live. So I really like investing in multifamily. Um, I really, really enjoy that space. Um, you know, I did make a passive investment in, in retail um, and retail's taken a big hit. You know, I my first passive investment is a retail strip center in Plano, Texas, and we closed March 15th, 2020. Wanna talk about great timing. Now, they've still managed to pay 5% cash on cash, so I'm very pleased with that. They managed to renegotiate the leases to triple net, which is very important on resale value. Institutional buyers want to buy retail that's on a triple net. And now all that really means is the tenants take all the risk for any improvements to the property. Um, so it's very important. I also went into medical um, during COVID, you know, because I saw all this crisis. So one of those emergency care places in a, a a mesquite just outside of Dallas um, because I wanted to get into that space. And again, it was a slightly different investment. Um, there's no upside to it. It's just a straight percentage. Um, but for my retirement money, I was quite happy with that because there, there was no depreciation in the deal, the way it was structured and there's no upside, but for my retirement money, I'm happy. So the way I look at it, let's say we're playing a baseball game. I want to hit lots of doubles couple of singles, one triple, and then, you know, the deal where they tripled my money is the grand slam. 
So you wanna make sure that you're spread out a little bit. Don't put all of your eggs in deep value multifamily real estate. So I have deep value all the way to A plus new build. Um, trying to spread my risk. I stay in landlord friendly states. So 90% of my investments are in Texas. I have one in Arizona, one in South Carolina and one in North Carolina. Again, all landlord pro-business friendly states with tremendous growth, right? Everybody's moving to Texas, Arizona and the Carolinas. It's just, uh, it, those markets are on fire. So you got to risk not overpaying, uh, but you know, the deals are still good deals to be had. Let's talk about, you know, like uh, your mission. So when you started with mission, like, you know, I know it's growing from thousand to 10,000 to a million, right? So what are the things you have done to achieve those missions? And what are, what are the things you're still planning to do to achieve those missions? Yeah. So, so podcasts like this and talking with people and getting the world word out, um, it's called, you know, using other people's stages. So last year I was on 52 podcasts. Uh, my message is very similar. I try to personalize it for each market in each group. Um, I also created a YouTube channel with a lot of educational. So I recommend books. You know, you talked about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. There's another great book by James Kamasami called Passive Investing. Every new investor should read that. And then if you're going to switch to active, every new active person should read Joe Fairless' Best Ever Real Estate Syndication book. It's a great book. Um, I have podcasts that just talk about real estate terms. I don't learn by reading. I'm not a reader. I would learn by listening. So I basically just took what people were sending me in PDFs, reorganized it and said, okay, let's talk about these real estate terms to way to help you understand it. So I try to break it down in simpler terms. Um, I made an interesting video. It compares passive investment to going on an airplane ride. Okay. And what the components. So as a passive investor, you're buying a ticket on a journey. Okay. So you buy a ticket. So you look at the airlines, lots of regulations in the US. So all the airlines are pretty good. You buy your ticket. And when you get there, there's somebody responsible for all the different elements. So the pilot is the asset manager. He's the person in charge. Um, he has flight attendants that are the, you know, the investor relations team. He has a ground crew that's filling the plane, bringing the food on, and that's the property management company. And as a passenger, you know, I can do what I want while I'm on the journey. I can keep working. I can, I can uh, sleep. I can visit. I can read. I can do whatever. And then as you're going along in the journey, they give you updates, right? Oh, interest rates went up. We're having a little bit of turbulence, folks. This is what we've done. We bought the interest cap rate. This is where we're at. This is how we're going to get out of the deal. We're okay. These are the precautions we took. You know, we've got extra fuel because the trip's going to take longer, whatever it is. And you arrive at, and so I try to put it in simple terms because you never know what moment in that will be the light bulb for someone else. For me, it was buying a business. That was my haha moment. But someone else has maybe never done that or experienced that. So I want to try to give them their, their moment just so that the light bulb comes on and they go, let me look into this more. So let's talk about, you know, the topic of the show is a power of passive income and financial freedom. So what it means to you and like, you know, like how many ways, like the ways it has helped you in terms of, you know, living your life, right? 
So let's talk about that. Yeah. So it it it's again, it's different to everybody else, right? And so I, I probably might have still been working if COVID didn't happen, and iFly let me go because I loved doing what I did, and I was I wasn't like I've got to do this full time, um, you know, because I was still pretty successful being able to do it. But again, I want to make sure I talk about when you do have a sponsor, make sure somebody on the team is full time doing this. This is their business. This is their job. You know, so it was really important to to get that. But what it does is it just gives you the flexibility. And then it, uh, for me, you know, my ultimate goal is creating wealth for my family. So I have this strange plan. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. So I want to do a bunch of real estate investments. I want to start condensing them into one deal so that I own a majority of a deal. I want a 1031 exchange and become a landlord just owning the dirt. So I want to be Walgreens, Starbucks landlord. Again, the lowest risk, therefore the lowest reward, but super. But when you 1031 into it, you pay no tax. Then I own that and I die and my family inherits at a step up value. So just think again, I'm, I'm not a filthy rich guy, but you know, you, you put a million dollars in land and it becomes two and then it becomes four when you die. Nobody pays tax on that and your family inherits the cash flow. So for me, that's how I'm leaving a legacy. You know, I'm not like, let's fly around the world. Let's go on cruises. Let's go to the beach. I love working. And so that's not my why. My why is to be able to know that when I'm gone, everybody is taken care of. Um, you know, I definitely haven't set it up yet, but there'll definitely be some charitable contributions within that. Um, and, you know, and I also, when I have more control of a property, I want to have a resident help services. Um, you know, I've got some friends that have some properties and they are in an area where English isn't the first language and they have English as the second language programs uh, for the parents and the children. Um, so, you know, it was just important to them because they were also immigrants and English wasn't their first language. And so I haven't quite found my why there yet, but I am keep looking for it. And that was a beautiful why, right? Um, because they, they're helping those residents, um, you know, be able to do it. And uh, I think being able to help people, you know, live the American dream is a, is a great thing. I think that's that's one thing I learned, like when I was like making my transition is uh, even in real estate, there's so many vehicles, you know, like it's very hard to, you know, uh, comprehend everything, you know, like in a one day. But uh, talking about like eight pref, 10 pref, 12 percent pref or even like as low as like four percent from Walgreens, right? Or or five percent. You don't get more than that. It's CVS Walgreens. It's like four or five percent. But the security is way higher right so it's it's always like if you go for security the returns are a little bit low but then yeah. no it, it is like almost as good as 100 percent. but yeah. if you like and like again like you know age versus reward right so if you're on a younger side you might want to have higher return and like still evaluate like maybe 60 70 percent rich side and then as you grow you know and get older, like 50s, 60s, then you want to diversify into something yeah. that is 80, 90% secured. Even though if you have to take two or 3% cut, it's fine. But, uh, you know, your return is secure. And then after that, it's just all about cash flow and, you know, uh, yeah. getting that money. So 
one great example I would say is last year we had a deal and uh, there was a gentleman 531, like 1031 exchange, and he wanted to dump almost $5.5 million. So it was like, okay. And like everybody wanted, right? Like uh, who doesn't want $5.5 million in that deal? And who was an 85 year old? Uh, he was a like his background was prior real estate developer, you know, in 2008, he was wiped out and then he built himself up and things like that. So he said, I'm 85 year old. I don't care about depreciation because as for my age, I qualify enough for all yeah. check all the boxes. So uh, get me the cash flow. Like my priority is getting a cash flow of $15,000 a month uh, from as long as that happens, you know, you got my money. So we structure a deal in a way that, okay, he doesn't want, you know, to be tick structure or he doesn't want to be part of the deal. But what he really wants is a cash flow yeah. starting from day one. And we just have to make sure and come up with the numbers. And, uh, you know, everybody was happy at the end of the day. So every yeah. and knowing what you need is important, right? When I had my W-2 job, I didn't care about cash flow. I wanted I wanted multiple of my of my wealth, right? I wanted to put a hundred thousand in the deal and turn it to two hundred as quick as possible. And I cash flow was almost I don't want to say annoying, but uh, you know it, I didn't have a place to re-put it. Like just you know. And then now that I'm doing this, I do look for some deals that have some cash flow, just because I need that, right? You know, I still got to eat and drive a car and do things. So um, you know, it's everybody has different needs, but at the end of the day you need a mixture of all of those things, right? And you need, like I said, you know, like my my medical center is a, a single, but it's a single every time I get up to bat, right? That check comes in every quarter, it's just there. Um, and then, you know, the the other deal, you, you, so you want to balance out a little bit on, on where you invest and what you invest and who you invest with. It's all about educating yourself about different vehicles then you can pick and choose based on your situation and based on your scenario. It can be different every time when you are, you know, trying to reinvest, right? That okay, like I got my double, like money double in two years, but now I want to stabilize it or I want to make it even quicker. Like, you know, there are deals and they are not shady deals. Like, you know, they'll yeah. literally get you double in like one year, one and a half year. But you have to do, like, you have to know like not as good as them, but at least know what they're doing and how they're going to give you back. Yeah. And once you know that, then yeah, you know, it makes sense. Recently, we, we started getting into notes like real estate notes. And I learned from like, you know, my friends that are doing in like, you know, 100 million, 200 million dollars. But that is also something, you know, like you can make 30, 40% easily, especially in this market where the default rate is just going higher and higher. Yeah. So bank is ready to unload a lot of you know non-performing notes because they have to and at the discount like you know 30 40 percent you can buy it off restructure it run for a year and then the beauty is bank the same bank can buy from you again at 100 percent yeah when the, you know the market is right so yeah. those kind of things but but getting educated is important, right? Yes. Like if you decided notes is something you want to invest in, you need to you need to educate yourself. You know, a lot of people right now are pushing the oil and gas investments. I don't understand anything. And you know, I always say my mama said if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. That's a naive statement, but I don't have time to learn about it. So I chose not to invest in it because it wasn't part of my you know, like storage is part of my original plan. You know, that's something that, 
that, you know, medical is part of my original plan. Retail was, I'm not sure if it will be again. Um, I think retail is going to come back in a different format. Um, and I think there's still lots of opportunities. I know we were just brainstorming before we started. You know, the sky's the limit on creativity in real estate. Um, you can do lots of different things and find vehicles where people can invest their money and do well. And you're providing something that the world needs. Just identify, like identifying core con, like core competencies, is a very good thing. You know, that can be n number of things, but at the same time, you don't want to get, uh, you know, uh, that like diverted too much. Yeah. So, identifying that, okay, these are the list of like maybe five items of multifamily RV parks. You know, that you identify, and then you just you know pick and choose based on your need. I think that would be the uh, message yeah. from you know this thing. But uh, yeah, I think uh, it's a good talk to, uh, you know, wind up. Uh, we are already like, you know, short. But yeah, thank you so much for your time. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having Definitely. me. Let's catch up soon and, uh, you know, we'll talk again. Awesome. Thank you. Sure. Thank you.